Hey, Fire fans, this is Nick with the Feed the Fire podcast, coming to you after the midweek game that the Chicago Fire played over in the Queen City in Charlotte. And another familiar storyline, a blown lead, points dropped. Pick pick what it is you want to talk about. You know, we're going to go back, we're going to look at the goals, we're going to see what happened, we'll talk about a couple stats, but also, let's look ahead. As Frank Klopas said, got a good opportunity to pick up three points coming back quickly at home short memory yeah but that's going to be against fourth place in the east atlanta united coming off a four nothing victory over colorado that's gonna be a tough team to pick up three points against even at home and then in the second half of the show we're gonna look at the chicago fire salaries the mls players association put out their salary guide uh, for the players for this year and uh, we're gonna compare that to another team uh, who is known for building good rosters, and we'll see how different the Fire have constructed their roster from a salary perspective. But let's get into the Charlotte game. Um, I didn't get a chance to go back and watch the full game. I had my kids' last Cub Scout meeting of the year. Very proud that the little ones uh, advanced. They got their Tiger rank and their Bear rank, knocking out their achievements. So very happy for the kids. It was a lot of fun to see their whole pack come together and play. Um I just got to get them to start playing soccer instead of Gaga ball. Has anyone heard of Gaga ball? No, no, no relation to Gaga Slonina as far as I can tell, but it's, it's what they all love to play. I got to Google it. Apparently it's a thing. Anyway, back to the Chicago fire here, right in Charlotte, they're up one, nothing on a Casper Shabilko goal. Technically in the 29th minute, man, even when Shabilko scores, he just looks terrible. Like he gets the ball in the open field and was wearing concrete slippers, apparently, because he just gets the ball, gets stuck under his feet. He's super slow. Two defenders almost catch up to him. And I don't know what he was thinking, like, if the goalie was going to charge out, so he want, or he thought he, the goalie would be on the line, but the goalie came out and then stopped. So it was an interesting move by the Charlotte goalkeeper there. But Shabilko tries to chip him and puts it right into his shoulder. Fortunately for Shabilko, the ball falls immediately to his left foot and he one touches it in i guess we should be grateful that he one touches it into the net and doesn't try to like dribble back around and, and lose the ball i will say it was very good build up excellent one to play uh with shakiri and gutierrez uh shakiri getting the assist on that one playing it forward to shibilko actually i don't think it even counts as an assist because he got it off of a rebound so shakiri's numbers are going to look even worse just the way that thing got scored um, but it was some good play in the middle. Shabilko made the right run, but again, his finishing, his on the on the ball play, his dribbling, just terrible. Like I don't care that he scored this. Like th- it just made me lose what little faith in him I have, if I had any to begin with. Anyway, let's let's get off of that. The next two goals uh, come from young Charlotte FC player Brandon Cambridge, and if you want a feel good story, go go look up his story. Um, you know, playing overseas, coming up through the Vancouver Academy, playing for University of Portland, and then end up ending up with getting Charlotte picking up his rights, comes off the bench. I think he's only appeared in in a, maybe four matches so far this season, and ends up with a brace. You know, he introduces himself to the league, if you want to use the broadcaster phrase here, right? But I'll tell you, Fire fans, I it's disappointing to see this, and this is not to take away from Brandon Cambridge. But, you know, it's one thing when, you know, Hani Mukhtar lights you up for three, you know, reigning MVP, one of the best players in the league, 
highly touted signing on a good Nashville team, but it's another thing when a 21 year old in his first season scores twice on you after subbing in in the 59th minute. So Cambridge equalizes this game in the 68th. And what's really funny, if you go back and listen to the highlights, I don't know who is broadcasting, who are the in-game announcers, but the one announcer says, Chicago's in a really good defensive shape and then gets scored on 10 seconds later, if not sooner. It's hilarious. As he says that, Chicago's in great defensive shape. The ball gets played to Justin Miram just outside the 18. And you have typical Chicago Fire scrambling defense. They backpedal into their own 18-yard box, giving Miram the space. He receives the ball. Then you've got six Fire defenders marking three Charlotte players to the right of Chris Brady. Four of them collapse on Justin Miram. The other two don't know who they're supposed to mark. Miram plays the ball over to Cambridge, and Cambridge does what any good young player does. When you get the ball in the box, he shoots. Good shot, curls it just enough, far post, goal. And you'd think that the Chicago Fire would learn from that, but no, they didn't. Because when Cambridge gets the equalizer, or the, the winner in the 81st minute, he's in the exact same position as he was when he scored the first goal. Like, literally almost standing in the exact same spot, and no one is marking him again. Like, I get it. Like you want to mark like star players and, and maybe Cambridge wasn't in the scouting report. And if he's not, then what are the fire doing in their scouting department? But still the guy already scored once you leave him open in the exact same spot. And he does it again in the 81st. Now on his first goal, that equalizer in the 68th minute, again, the center backs don't shift. Gutierrez is late getting back. Now, do you blame that on him playing a little bit out of position, having to play a little more on the wing and cover some more defensive ground? That's what I've heard. I, I buy into it a little bit, but we've seen Gutierrez cover a lot of ground even when he's playing centrally. So I, I think the fire just, they're not in the right positions. They're being played out of position. They're not in the right positions, and they're definitely not gelling on defense. Now, they haven't been for a while, but this is just a glaring, glaring uh, weakness that we see week in and week out with the fire. Transition defense, scrambling, completely out of shape, despite what the broadcaster says. Um, I do got to point out Justin Miram here in his 13th season, I think, in MLS. I can see why you have a lot of defensive attention paid to him. He's an excellent distributor of the ball, but you don't need four guys to mark Justin Miram. Spread it out, figure it out, fire. And then on the game winner in the 81st minute, no one closes down on the Charlotte player on the wing who gets the cross in. Pineda makes a desperate attempt. Uh, Pineda playing center back makes a desperate attempt to try and head the ball out, completely mistimes it, is in the wrong position, doesn't get his, his feet right when he jumps. And instead of heading it out or away, he actually heads it right to Brandon Cambridge, who's on the far post. And then Aceves doesn't recognize Cambridge is there. It's deja vu all over again. No one drops back to Mark uh, from the midfield. And again, an absolute breakdown. Cambridge takes advantage of it. Two to one, Charlotte. I hate to say I'm right, but I predicted two one Charlotte. Now, post game, let's listen to some of the quotes. And I'm glad we're getting some quotes from Fetty Navarro, not just whoever the coaches and, and Fabian Herbers or maybe some Shakiri stuff. Though it's interesting that Shakiri was really happy to talk to everybody after their win against St. Louis, but uh, none of the Chicago Fire website quote sheet has anything from Shakiri. 
maybe he did give quotes. Maybe I'm just not finding them, but it's definitely not on the website. And you'd think their $8 million man would get quoted and put on the website. And we'll get to his salary in the second half of the show. So Fetty Navarro says, uh, we could have given a lot more and played a lot more throughout the game. Now, a lot of what he said was just typical kind of player talk, right? You know, we need to keep our head in it. We got to do better. We got to learn from it. We got to turn around for Atlanta, whatever. And Klopas too, we'll get to his quotes. So a lot of coach speak, like we've got the opportunity to win on Saturday. We got to put this behind us. We got to do better in training, et cetera, et cetera. So this is what stood out to me from Fetty Navarro. He says, we could have given a lot more and played a lot more throughout the game. Put that in the middle of one of his quotes. So is he suggesting that guys aren't putting in 100% effort into the game? Interesting. He also says they lost focus and concentration at end of games, you know, going back to throughout the season here. So I don't think he's calling anybody out. I don't think he's the player to do that or, or the guy to do that. But the fact that those kind of quotes got slipped in there, that they could have given more, that they lost focus and concentration – there's something going on with this squad, and personally, anything short of blowing it up probably isn't going to fix it. Get get rid of Klopas. Get rid of half this squad. Get rid of Heights and Pelzer. Keep a few of your homegrown guys, maybe one or two others, and, and you just got to blow it up because you have to change the squad mentality and makeup all over again, sadly. All right, let's look at some of Klopas's quotes here. He says... I'm, I'm giving up the goals. I think we overslide in the box and then we get caught. And that's something we've discussed on this podcast, that the defenders in transition backpedal and overcommit. We saw it in this one. Klopas called it out. He saw it rightly. At least he saw it the way I saw it. You had too many players marking too few attackers, too many defenders on too few attackers. The entire defense shifts over. They're focused on the ball. They're not picking up their runners on the far post. They're not staying with their men who are making those late runs from the midfield. Uh, you, you definitely saw that on the two goals today and throughout the season on, on, on more than one occasion. Um, as for the late game collapses again, it was it was a lot of coach speak, similar to what Fetty said, but he said we got to train better. And and like I can't believe, you know, after you see Ezra get shown the door so early on in the season that Klopas also is starting to do the same thing. It's like, yeah, we got to do better in training. That is squarely on the coaching staff. You are indicting yourself. The lawyer in me is like, plead the fifth. Don't incriminate yourself here, Frank. Don't incriminate the rest of your staff. Anyway, here's his other big long quote. I'll read it to you and we'll analyze it as we go. What broke down in the second half and what can be done to fix it? Yeah, I think our ability to, when you're defending at times and then you get the ball, you still need the ability and movement off the ball to be able to connect passes. Okay, so that gets back to Fetty Navarro's quote that they're not putting in the effort. Continuing on. You know we tried and then some of those passes, our ability to hold the ball in certain moments could have been better. I think that is, I don't think he's taking a shot at, but it's reflective of Zerda and Shakiri's play. Because Shakiri, when he gets the ball, he takes no more than two touches. Like it's a trap and a pass or a one touch pass. And on the one time, on the one hand, I get it. He wants to spring a counterattack. He wants to play forward. He wants to hit guys and run, but Shabilko and Kamara and Kutsias hasn't shown it. Those aren't the strikers who you can just let sprint behind the defense. Shakiri is not, his style does not fit this team. Take that up with George Heights and Joe Mansueto, please. Um, so I, I think Klopas is recognizing it and a lot of the fans are recognizing too. Shakiri's got to keep possession. 
Like, let's let the wingers get up. Let's let the, the wingbacks get up. Maybe that works a little bit with Gutierrez if they can figure out how to do some passing to maintain possession and get their players in the good areas. But do the Fire want to be a possession team or do they want to be a counterattacking team? Again, they have no identity. They don't know how they want to play out of the back. They don't know how to spring their offense forward. All right, let's let's continue on with Klopas's quote here. Um, our ability to hold the ball in certain moments could have been better. So, and then you're defending again. Yep, a lot of turnovers in the middle. And and Charlotte, to their credit, you know, high high line, you know, very good defensive pressure. Uh, continuing on. So it's not easy from being in the mid block now to winning the ball and getting into the final third. It's about movement and it's about being sharp with the ball. I think those are areas we could have been better late into the game. You try to freshen up the team with the subs. So yeah, he's calling out the starters. They're being lazy. He says, I'm putting in the subs. And he continues on. I felt that the subs were right because we wanted to bring some fresh legs in and guys now that can look to get behind and hold the ball and be fresh. And that's why we did that. So bringing in Herbers, bringing in Kutsias to be the outlet, Herbers to kind of get in behind and hold some possession, but didn't work out in the end. And he says, in the end, you give up the goals and it obviously changed the game. Definitely. Well, yeah, Frank, brilliant analysis there. Goals changed the game. Who'd have thought that? So that, that's kind of my thought on, on what Klopas is seeing, on what happened, some of what Fede Navarro is saying. Like, there's clearly not a strong mentality on this squad. And again, I think the only way to fix it is to kind of blow it up. There, there's really nothing more we can say, Fire fans. We see it week in and week out. Now we actually have the coach in Klopas saying it. You know, Ezra was was very like coach speak and ethereal and theoretical, and we just got to do better. Klopas is actually giving you some more tactical analysis in his quote sheets, in his post games, uh, in his Q and A's, but nothing's changing still. Like he, now it might even be worse. Like you could say Ezra didn't know what to do. Klopas knows what the problem is, and, and he can't figure it out. So th- this is big problems here, big problems. So let's. Let's do what Frank said then. Let's, you know, he's still the coach. You got to listen to him. Let's do what he said. Let's focus on the next game. We got Atlanta coming up on Saturday, and I'm recording this show on a Friday late morning. Let's preview Atlanta a little bit. Now, the, the fire already had that that awful 2-1 loss at Atlanta. I think that was the Mar- Marin Haile Selassie own goal off of his back, generously, off of his rear end, if, if you want to make a joke about it, um, late in the game to cost us. So, again, we've already blown a late game lead to Atlanta. Um, hopefully, and here's the thing, I don't think the fire are going to blow a lead against Atlanta again, because I think Atlanta is going to take the lead and keep it. Uh, but hey, they're back in Chicago. So maybe you get a little home field bump. Maybe you get a little home crowd bump. We'll see how many fans show up to this game. Should be a good weather, which always affects the Chicago home crowd. The problem is they're not even big favorites by the odds makers. Like even the, the, the bookkeepers are like, yeah, we're not going to put, put a lot of money on Chicago here. Now let's look at Atlanta. You know, we know their players. We looked at that early on in the season. They've got Diego Almada. They've got Yorgos Giacomakis. They did just sell Luis Arujo to Flamengo, one of the biggest clubs in South America, if not the biggest club in Brazil, um, for, for a decent fee. I think they ended up losing money on the deal, but it, you recoup a large chunk of it for a player who's just not been performing to the level they need him to in MLS. I mean, if Arujo was performing... Atlanta would be probably second in the Eastern Conference at this point. But anyway, that could be something the fire can exploit. Maybe there's some turnover on the roster now, guys moving around, a sub who's got to become a starter. Maybe the fire can exploit it. Maybe they can jump out on an early lead. 
And the other thing Chicago has to exploit against Atlanta is their defense. Atlanta has given up the second most goals in the league and their goalkeepers have the worst save percentage in the league. But the only way the fire can take advantage of that is if they actually shoot and shoot on target against Charlotte, five shots, three on, on goal. Not good enough. If you're going to win a game, not good enough at all. And and remember two of those shots were that one play from Shabilko. Like I didn't even look up the expected goals because I'm pretty sure it was terrible. Um, and I, of course, wanted to forget about that Charlotte result as quickly as possible. So the fire, if they can really keep up the pressure, keep up the offensive pressure, and do what Klopas said, let's let's have some possession a little bit and build the attack up a little bit. I doubt they're going to be able to implement that in two days here. Uh, but if they can do that and start getting some shots against the Charlotte back line, or I'm sorry, the Atlanta back line, they may have a chance to score one or two early on and really kind of change the way Atlanta wants to play the game. However, I'm pretty sure if the Fire even do get a lead, they're just going to try and sit back and hold it, because again, they can't play like Klobos had identified, having some possession in the midfield and then dropping some guys behind the ball um, to, to prevent a counterattack, or to have that defensive shape when the opposition transitions to offense, uh, when you turn the ball over. So I even then, are they going to be able to hold on to the lead? They haven't proven it. I don't think they could. But they're not going to have a lead. I don't think so. I think Atlanta's offensive numbers are what's going to drive this. And I said, one of the worst defensive and goalie teams in the league. But they are, where's my notes here? They are uh, the highest scoring team in MLS right now. They have the second highest assisted goals in the league. They're sixth in the league in expected goals. So they are an offensive team. And you've got... Almada driving that his free kicks change games. Uh, we saw that this last week and you look at the Chicago fire. I think they had four yellow cards in this last game. If they're going to be committing these fouls in their own defensive third, you know, Almada is going to score one on a free kick. I don't know if you guys are gamblers out there, but maybe that's a prop bet. Almada to score on a free kick uh, for some, for a big payout. Look for that. Um, and again, you have, Atlanta, who's flying high after a big 4-0 victory in Colorado. You've got Giacomakis, who's scored in just about every game he's played in for Atlanta. you got Amada. you got the whole cast of characters there. This is going to be tough for the Fire to draw at home, let alone get a win. Looking at the odds, BetMGM has the Fire at plus 135. They have the draw at plus 250. And they have Atlanta to win at plus 175. So even the odds makers don't have a lot of faith in Chicago. And for all the reasons we have mentioned before, a tired and banged up fire squad coming home, though, I still think this is 3-1 Atlanta. I think Atlanta's going to score in each half and get a free kick goal from Elmada, and the fire will be lucky to get one at some point during this match. Maybe Kutsias gets motivated by seeing his fellow Greek across the pitch from him and, and finds the back of the net finally and can get something going for himself. But I really don't expect the fire to do much. Uh, even if Chris Mueller comes back, he's been nursing a hip injury. He's been out the last couple of games. We'll see if, if this is the time for him to come in. Who knows? At least maybe Kai will be somewhat fresh. Could change things in the offensive third. We don't know. Anyway, that is the Charlotte review, the Atlanta preview. Now let's have our sponsor break and take a look at the MLS player salaries here and the Chicago salaries especially. So our show is brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water. Icelandic for clear, 
Skirur water comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland. With naturally low mineral content, this isn't your average water. Clearly, pun intended, it's one of the best. And I'll tell you, after a night of screaming at the Chicago fire on my television, a bottle of Skira really kind of soothes things and will calm you down. So get out to your 7-Eleven, buy a few bottles of Skira, take them near tailgates. It's the summertime. You got It's almost summertime, I should say. You got to stay hydrated. Skira is the way to do it. Tell your friends about it. Go find them at your local 7-Eleven. Now, Major League Soccer Players Association released their salary guide, breaking down the base salary and total compensation. You can go check it out on their website. I'm sure you've seen it out on Twitter and social media and on MLSsoccer.com. Um, but so you can look at all the details and, and all the math and how they break it down and what and how they do it. But what you have to know as Chicago Fire fans is Jared and Shakiri is the highest paid player in Major League Soccer per guaranteed compensation. And that's at $8.153 million. Do you think he deserves to be the highest paid player in the league? Well, the answer to that obviously is no. But he's also the second highest paid player on salary only. Um, and second only to Lorenzo Insigne, and, and, and not by much, probably by a couple couple hundred thousand, right? So Shakiri, the highest paid player in the league. Um, but if you're looking at salary, second highest, but definitely the highest on the fire. Now, now let's review our top paid players here at Chicago Fire by base salary. Shakiri is at $7.35 million. Then you have Gaston Jimenez as your second highest salary on the fire, $1.6 million. Chihos at 1.3, Jairo Torres and Casper Shabilko 1.1 million, and and those are your five players who have at least a million. Now, Arno Suke and Chris Mueller are at 600,000. Yorgos Kutsias 470,000. Fedi Navarro 450,000. Fabian Herbers has 310,000 in base salary. Um, our loney defender uh, Seves is at 330,000. Haile Selassie is at 264000 Miguel Navarro, I found this interesting. He's at $260,004. So I wonder if there's that's some just creative salary stuff to get around some MLS roster rules and guaranteed numbers. But $260,004 for Miguel Navarro. Mauricio Pineda is at $255,000. Kai Kamara is making $220,000. So that puts him at the 3, 6, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15th highest paid player on the team, Kai Kamara, 220000 And then Brian Gutierrez is making $200,004 this season in base salary. Again, probably some creative bookkeeping there to, to comply with certain MLS roster rules. But those are your highest paid players. No one else is making more than $200,000. In fact, a, a decent number of Chicago Fire players are making league minimums as, you know, uh, 67,000 some dollars. Some of the homegrown guys who've been playing on CF2, uh, are, are 80 some thousand dollars with some like senior minimum, uh, minimums there. So that is what the Chicago Fire have. What conclusions can we draw based on these salaries? Well, not good ones. The, the salaries for the fire are way too top heavy. The vast majority of the money they spent is tied up in their top five players who are all underperforming. Shakiri. We don't have to talk about that. Jairo Torres, barely on the pitch. Gaston Jimenez, still kind of on a DP contract, like level 1.6 million. Not where you want to, not performing to that level. They're still bleeding goals late. And then you've got Casper Shabilko, who's a striker who can't score goals. 
So they're they're definitely putting their money in all the wrong places, and it's all top heavy. Again, they're missing on their DPS, terrible DP signings. And the other thing is your mid salary players here, your your two hundred to six hundred thousand are our average MLSers at best, right? Like even like that middle to high part of your roster, Chris Mueller, Arno Suke, Fetty Navarro, Fetty Navarro. I bet you're probably getting some decent value, even though he's at four hundred fifty thousand. But like Herbers, Aceves, Haile Selassie, Miguel Navarro. Pineda, like those guys are, are average MLSers, average to good at best, but probably around average to just below average compared to the rest of the league right now, especially the, where the fire are in the table. So again, your entire starting roster is way underperforming all their contracts. I, I will make that generalization, okay? Maybe Kai's outperforming, maybe Guti's outperforming. By the way, I think um, Chris Brady, our, our homegrown starting goalkeeper, is only like at 177,000, something like that. I, I can't recall it exactly. So he, he's definitely outperforming. And uh, I forget if it was an MLSsoccer.com writer or Extra Time did a, uh, or no, it was someone from The Athletic did their like best value 11. And you have Brian Gutierrez and Chris Brady. Like they went position by position and gave their best values. And it was Gutierrez as a midfielder and Chris Brady as the goalkeeper were like the two best values at their position. And then they did like the worst values at their position. And you definitely had Jared and Shakiri way up that list. Um, Arajo was on there for Atlanta. And what did they do? They sold him. They said, this is not working and we're paying him way too much. Bye-bye. Think the fire are going to do that with Shakiri or Jimenez? Nope. That's the, that's the difference between a team that knows how to build a roster and has a vision and a team that doesn't. Now, just, just for the sake of argument and kind of learning a little bit more about the league here, I'm com- I wanted to compare the Chicago Fire to LAFC, a team that over the last several years has been known for uh, building great rosters. Now, LAFC has five players between one and three million. The Chicago Fire have four players in that range, and then Shakiri just blows the curve, right? But LAFC also has 12 players between 200 and 600,000. There are very few guys on this LAFC roster, maybe two or three, on league minimums. So imagine if we could take, as, as the Chicago Fire front office, say $4 million from Shakiri's contract and spread it out and give an extra $500,000 to eight players on the back end of the roster and build it out that way, how how much better could the Chicago Fire be? But Heights is trying to save his job, Pelzer's trying to save his job, and they drop a load of cash on one guy, and that is not how you build an MLS roster. In other MLS news, San Diego, speaking of California, gets the expansion bid. They will begin play in 2025, and I just wonder if they're going to take that year like St. Louis to start building a roster already. Also looking around the league from this last weekend, some notable results. We mentioned Atlanta's 4-0 victory over Colorado. LAFC drawing Kansas City 1-1. Good for KC. They are starting to get their groove this season. Austin wins in Seattle 2-1. So there's parity all around the league except for Chicago. (laughs) Now looking ahead uh, to Saturday's games, to tomorrow's games, it's still rivalry week. Part two, I guess you could say. So look for those rivalry games. There's going to be a lot of crazy matchups. I just wonder with all the rivalry games out there, are we going to have more goals or more yellow cards this weekend? I know the Fire are going to do their part to add to that yellow card number. Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks again to our sponsor, Skira Icelandic Spring Water. 
Make sure you follow along with us on YouTube and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. And reach out to us at Glasshouse Soccer on social media, or you can email me, glasshousesoccer at gmail.com. Enjoy the match. Bomb it fire. Vamos fire. Let's go fire. Let's just keep it respectable this weekend, please. Anyway, have a great match weekend, everyone. Take care. Oh, my God.